Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome, Ruth. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'd like to begin by asking you to paint a picture of what your lovely mum, Anna, was like. Just being my mum, really, throughout my life, being there for me, 100% unconditional love. My support, my rock, my emotional support throughout my life, just everything to me. She meant the world to me. I think that's very obvious from the way, from the things that you've shared with me, just how close you were. From your childhood growing up in South Lanarkshire in Scotland, are there any memorable holidays or things that really stand out that you remember of your mum growing up? We just used to go to local seaside holidays and I've always got all the pictures I suppose that you can look back on. But I just always remember, no matter where I was, with my mum feeling safe, feeling happy. You can't replicate that feeling and you weren't even necessarily aware of it at the time. But now that she's absent from your world, you're aware of not having that basic comforting feeling, happiness, safe in somebody's company. How did she make you feel safe? Because she was a really good advocate for me. She had my back, had a close bond, always fought my corner, always. Can you think of an example of her sticking up for you as a child or as an adult or fighting your corner? Just in my childhood, any squabbles with other kids. She was out, she watched and made sure you were okay. Even just a supporting presence, obviously letting you make your own decisions and but a supporting presence, somebody you knew you could turn to, could talk to her about anything, really. And I just feel throughout our lives, we always had a close bond. I remember when I was a young child and she had to go into hospital and I was there every day to see her. I got asked if I wanted to go to another child's birthday party and there was no consideration whether I was going to go there because I wanted to be and see my mum over that period she was in hospital. I didn't like being apart from her when you were a child. She made you feel safe and secure and loved and that's all you could ever ask for. Was she quite a feisty character then, would you say? Yes, she had a strong personality. Um, She knew her own mind, was a good character, funny. She always stuck up for her family no matter what but I think she could weigh things up quite well and I think her advice that she gave me in an instant would make you feel better so you'd always want to turn to your mum because her advice instantly relieved any anxiety you might have had over the situation. Brilliant she sounds great. Was she funny? Did she have any catchphrases or turns of phrase? that she would always use that might make you laugh or you know how did she she, she was laugh? she was just overall she had a good sense of humor we used to laugh she used to like you know sitting out in the garden she was simple life really sitting out in the garden being with her family she loved her pets she loved her dogs um i always remember reading a comment that she'd written saying my idea of housework is a sweep around the room a, gla- a sweeping glance around the room and just funny comments like that she never got really up 
upset about anything too much. She was always she was always calm. I never ever she was never angry or outburst, never like that. Always calm, always just accepted things, but tried to look at positives. So I think there was many good traits that I would like to say that I hope I've got from her because she was a tough cookie she was tough even when she was in her 90s she was going down to the shops herself she was 94 when she passed but she used to go down to the shops every day very mobile then she was very mobile she kind of clean living um, never drank never smoked really just was there for her family a family woman family orientated hated being stuck in the house she didn't like it if she was stuck in even if she was older when it got icy weather and we used to see can't go out she would obviously be a bit stubborn that way because she hated being stuck in she liked to go out and about loved walking and that was right up until her 90s she had a brilliant attitude to life then Yes, an attitude that I would like to replicate when I think about it now, yes. Uh-huh. An acceptance about things that might happen in life, but just strength to, to get through it. And your father? My dad died when I was quite young, so she lost him. I mean, it was nearly, I was in my 20s when she died. So she lived all those years without my dad. So a lot of the time, it was just me, my mum and my sister were quite a small family. And so I think just looking back on it, I was always, I had strong bonds to my mum. I always was close by to her, Was close, lived close to her, seen her most days, even when she was in the care home, because I had retired, so I was able to see her most days until, obviously, COVID struck. Obviously, part of your sort of daily, weekly routine was always popping in to see your mum, was it? Yeah, again, it was to get her out and about, because she didn't like not having access to the community or getting out, so um, we used to go out different places together while she was still in that, while she was in the care home. So what places would you go? Just to take her to the hairdressers. She liked getting her hair done. Even come to my house for lunch. We used to go to Dresswick. It was a kind of wee beach seaside town quite close by, but she loved it there. She liked going to to press we used to have an ice cream I've got a picture of her but I, can't, I don't even know where it is I took a picture of her with an ice cream and I've got that somewhere flavour was it? vanilla flavour as far as I remember yeah. I'm trying to picture the photo in my head but I loved it there just walking up and down next to the seaside the weather was nice so she always looked forward to, to coming to get now she was a very very she didn't like to mix so when she was in the care home she very much stayed in her room she didn't go into the, the lounge areas or anything. She was happy just watching her television in her room. She was quite a private person, so she wasn't comfortable in a communal setting. So I think there was those difficulties with her in the home as well. So Tell me about the run-up to her having to go into a home. What When did that happen? Um, I think, if I'm thinking about it, I think she became a wee bit more forgetful. Just obviously by this point, she was in her 90s and she had a fall. And it was really from that fall, there was one thing happened after another. She had like a kind of sickness period where she was being sick and nobody knew what was wrong with her. 
I don't know if that was to do with her digestion at all, because in all fairness, there was nothing, although she was in her 90s, there was nothing you could see she had any illnesses. or She had arthritis in her hands and her, knee, and her legs sometimes, but there was nothing else, no other ailments that you could see she had. And her legs used to get swollen and different things. And it came to the point where she overnight she wasn't able to recall things. Um, she was repeating actions and I think at the time they didn't do a proper diagnosis for dementia but they put it down to dementia and it was very very difficult at home because by that time she'd become quite not good on her feet, she was having a lot of falls in home and in her, in her house it was a worry leaving her and especially overnights and things like that and at one point it was difficult for her to get up and down the stairs um, but it was the forgetfulness was a worry so she was she was diagnosed as having dementia although they didn't do the full tests on her they said it would be too distressing for her but then over time the condition improved she was always aware of us and knew us and you could still chat to her she still laughed at things like still had her sense of humor but I think that her confusion improved so that when, very much when she was in the care home, we did see an improvement initially when she went into care home. And you mentioned that she liked music. It was just some songs that she had mentioned that she enjoyed. She liked listening to operatic music. It's two songs that I mentioned in particular that make us remember my mum, the Riders and Storm, the Doors and the Penny Arcade. She said always said that that song cheered her up. It was a Roy Orbison song. They're quite um, different songs, aren't they? They're both different songs and I think for diff- different ways I can relate to my mum with them. And I think the words in Riders and Storm I can relate to in a way. And also the Penny Arcade one is just a funny, a nice song that she Oh, she said if she listened to it, it always cheered her up. How do you relate to the Penny Arcade lyric? It's difficult for me to listen to these songs. Very difficult. I'd get up listening to them now. Too painful. I feel like any memories now is too painful for my mum yeah. to think about. Although I'm talking to you just now, just in everyday life, if I want to try and find a memory or think of her, it's just the lasting days that come to mind, unfortunately. Um, and the circumstances of what happened to her, that's the only thing that's overriding thing which is upsetting in itself. Tell me when was she admitted to the the care home? It was 2017 she went into the care home and that was like can I follow her fall can I oh can I came off that she was in hospital first so initially I think she went into a different care home and she ended up transferring to Meldrum Gardens because they had a space so we were quite happy there because we'd saw online it had a good reputation that people spoke highly of it and it was a nice environment the room was nice but obviously there was issues along the way with that care home and through lockdown especially so she was in the care home for say three years before the pandemic began yes so talk us through then what happened so she was happy enough where she was um i wouldn't she wouldn't have chosen to be there i think she understood that she was there for some care, element of care. She was a private person, so having almost strange people tending to her was very difficult for her, was against her 
how she felt about things. So that's one of the reasons I used to take her out each day. On a daily basis, we used to go out and about. So it was just in the evenings she would be there watching her, her TV. There was a lot of difficulties because I think a lot of the time she was, they maybe expect you or think it's valuable for you to mix with other residents. And I think some people that is true, but not in my mum's case, because she'd always been extremely private throughout her whole life. So it was really only family that she invited into her home. Um, and that was just the way she was. She didn't, for instance, have people popping in or out. She was happy either in her own company or with her friends or with her family. Fair enough. So yeah. it was difficult for her to say that was her choice. But she understood. I think she understood. I've got a young child, a son. So I used to see my mum when he was at school. And for me to manage both at the time, I felt that was a compromise that we'd done. And to get asleep at night, because my mum, if she was getting up at night, I think she would maybe sometimes have needed assistance or help because I mean I, I've got stairs going up to toilet um, so that was what we felt was a kind of nice balance for my mum she was still getting out and about and seeing me and family but at night she was in the evening she was in the care home so let's go back to just before the pandemic how were things then obviously I was still visiting daily most days to my mum um not I mean, eventually, I, I was initially going every day and then I, I kind of made it every other day. And she really looked forward to visits from family. But when we weren't there, she was just content sitting in a room and watching TV because essentially that's what she did at home. She used to go to her shops and then watch TV. Just simple life. Happy doing that in the third world. So it was just the same right up to COVID. And then I remember the care home said, will allow you in. And we knew this was going to be our last visit for a wee while. You had to put on your mask. And that was in March. Are you worried at that point about her and the virus? I was. Well, at the time, there wasn't much. I didn't know much about it. I didn't envisage the length that that would be carrying on for. Um, I handed in my son's computer and I'd set Skype up in it so that I was able to. We didn't need to rely on the care home. had a an iPad tablet, I believe, but I handed in a computer so that I could have a chat to my mum. But I didn't envisage enforced separation for a period of eight months. I remember asking for a window visit and told it wasn't possible because where my mum's room was, you couldn't access the window without going through the care home. So you didn't see your mum for eight months from... I didn't, well, I saw her through Skype and then in June I wrote a letter to the home and said, is there any chance I can come and see my mum through the window? And at that point I learned that other residents had been having window visits through the lounge area and our family had been completely unaware of it for those months between March and June. How awful. Um, we were missed out of in whatever communication but what I find difficult is nobody even said to me and they knew that I'd saw my mum every day and nobody commented or said none of the staff why have you not attended so that was deeply distressing yeah and that's started issues with trust when you were communicating with your mum over the computer how was how were you communicating it was exceptionally difficult because um she had she watched digital hearing aids, but that that was one of the issues. 
the care home we're maintaining the care hearing aids and went even in our ears. I used to have to contact them and say, I don't think our hearing aids are in. Can you check with the batteries? Um, and that went on for throughout the whole of lockdown. What platform were you speaking? It's Skype. It was Skype. So Skype. So you could see her and she was I able could to see her. She yes. was able to answer your call and you Yes. Well the her. care homes used to connect the calls for us. Right, so you would tell them, I'm phoning now, can you please? We had an agreed time because it was difficult to, every time I phoned, it was difficult to arrange, so I ended up an agreed time at two o'clock and they tried to do that. So if you had not brought in the computer for those months until June, you would not have seen your mum at all because you weren't weren't aware of the window visits? I was unaware of the the visits until June, Uh uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. So at at the very least, at least you were able to see her. I was able to see her through Skype. Sometimes I have to just write down things so she could read it because it was difficult. She Obviously, it's difficult for my mum for her hearing, but at times she didn't even have a hearing aid. So it was very difficult for her to... But just the fact that you're seeing her meant a lot to me because then you could check in on her, really. She must have been really happy to see you when you called. Yeah, we used to have a Skype call between two and three, and that was when my mum, my wee boy, came home from school at three. So we used to more or less be an hour each day, and it's sad because the, the, the care home would sometimes left the computer out, and she used to try calling me on her own. Sorry. After the That's call. That's distressing. Uh-huh. It's distressing to think she's trying to... Um, press the keys and the keyboard to contact me on her own. And did she manage to do that? No, because it was just, we used to always get cut off a lot of the time and they said it was the Wi-Fi, but then the blade told my, said that my mum was messing with the settings on the computer because oh. um, she was pressing the keys when um, the calls had finished. But that's when I'd asked them to put the computer out away when the calls weren't in use. But then that's caused another, because she used to think they were trying to steal the computer as well. She used to say, they're taking my computer away. That was her life, so obviously, you know, mm-hmm. her link to, to her loved ones. And when you challenged the care home about why you didn't know about the window visits, what did they say to you? They said that they mentioned in a member of staff and they said they told you. And I said, no, they didn't tell me if I would have known I would have been there because I was off my work. I had no issues with being able to go down to the care home. It was basically a five minute drive away from me. My sister didn't know about it either. So other family emails, which we weren't, we didn't receive that I later found out. So I don't know how we missed. I don't know how the information about the visits were given to the other residents' families. I don't know if it was sent out by email or just word of mouth, but we certainly, it was only when I asked for that, I wrote a letter actually. Um, It was only then I was told. But then after that, because I arranged, I used to go and see my mum two or three times a week at the window, but then the they changed the conditions we were one person 30 minutes once a week so not long after that it changed to that and um, so it went we actually received an email saying they were putting other provisions in place but it became less because I was only allowed to come once after that for 30 minutes. How were those window visits? Hard because it was through a window and you were still told to wear a mask 
Um, so it's difficult for my mum to read what I'm speaking if she's hard of hearing. So you were outside the home? Yes. You were still wearing a mask? Yes. And you were told to do that, were you? Or? Yes, the care home told me we still had to wear a mask. So it's not that she could work out what you were saying? It was extremely difficult and it was hard because it was hard leaving. Did she understand all these restrictions? Did she understand the virus? I think she maybe understood them at times, but then there was times she would maybe have forgotten about it sure. or not aware and not and not fully understanding why I wasn't taking her out because she looked longingly at the outside because, I, as I said, she didn't like being stuck in. I, I remember once making a comment that I was going to walk with my friend later that day and she said, can I not come? And so she, in that sense, she was didn't understand why she wouldn't be able to accompany me. At times, she did understand that there was a risk of infection. I think she had perhaps some of an understanding, but not fully. So hard, so hard for you, and so hard. Uh, yes, my word. So when you were at the window, were you able to sort of, I mean, touch hands through the window or communication with your eyes? I mean, that's. Were you able to uh-huh. see just how did she look? Did she see no panic? Both, I, I could see, obviously, how she was. We would do wee like, love heart things. She was losing weight. I know that. I could see, but it was difficult because she always had her big coat on, coat on, which is a big kind of puffer coat that I had given her. and So it was difficult to see, but it, she was having problems, her leg problems re- resurfaced during that period as well. I feel it was very difficult to access some information. It was difficult, really extremely difficult time. But I could see that she had lost weight. I remember one of the ladies saying, oh, your mum's went downhill. So I could see in her face she'd lost weight. And I used to keep, she needed encouragement and prompting a lot of the time to eat her meals. And a lot of the time they would delay my call because they'd say your mum's still eating her meal. And I would, I kept saying, look, I encourage her to eat. So can we not still have a Zoom call despite the fact she's not finished her meal? The meals were served at half 12 in the day and my Zoom call was two. So it's just like late, long, later on, I keep thinking she wasn't getting that prompting. There was a few upsets throughout that period where I could see she was extremely upset. So there was a few things that happened as well. So it was really difficult she didn't show that was one of the things she protected me from a lot so she didn't show me her upset but there was a few times I knew she was angry and upset about a few things that had occurred so it was it was difficult because you couldn't get couldn't get to her yeah that must have just been tremendously hard just the lack of access and the inability to, yeah. to make things right, I can't imagine. Uh, it is extremely, well, frustrating is not the word, but I think I've got emails, reams of emails to the care home about hearing aids and just meals, food taken, because she was upset one day because they'd taken food away from her. I'd phoned up and they said it's because it's spoiled in the heat. They're saying at the time my mum was so upset that, she had refused any care. She'd sat in her chair all night. Oh. Um, and that was how bad she felt because she was really tough-minded. and So she was protesting? I think she was work. protesting. 
and it, it was food, over food being removed from her. But she lost weight all through lockdown and it was me that had to contact a dietitian. And it was only at that stage after I contacted dietitian she did gain a wee bit of weight and that was in October and that's when the care home had a Covid outbreak. So were you able to get her some supplements to? Well the dietitian did prescribe supplement drinks for her. She didn't even, I don't think she might actually get the benefit from them. Although she had gained weight, she gained weight before she got the benefit of her supplement drinks. But at least um, able to get a dietitian, that must have been a comfort to know that uh-huh. you were helping her. Yes. So from the time of the outbreak, you were having these Skype daily Skype calls. And then from June, you had your half hour window visit, as it was called. And then there was an outbreak in the home in the October of 2020, an outbreak of COVID. How did you learn about that? I received a phone call. Because it was on the Sunday that I was supposed to be visiting on the 11th of October, saying that there was no visits. And that was the first time I'd been told. I mean, a lot of the time the visits were cancelled for one way reason or another, the window visits. But this is the first time I'd been told um, there was a COVID, actually a COVID outbreak in the care home. So... Everything was cancelled, um, so I couldn't get in to see her or get to do my visit. Had you been into the home at all? I was never allowed and It was always pushed away because of infection rates and different things happening. So very limited window visits as well. I mean, over the June period when I found out, I was going, I was managing to get there two or three times a week. But then it changed to just one visitor. So after about July time, that's when it changed. So it was only one visit. So I didn't get much benefit from the flexibility that it had before. But then when we heard about the care home lockdown, that was obviously the finish. The visits finished then. And that was it. I never, ever got another visit, window visit. How are you feeling when... You heard there was an outbreak of COVID in the home. I was frightened. I think at the time I still thought my mum, and I I look back in it now and wonder how I thought that, but I still felt she was a wee bit protected in the care home because I was aware that they had restrictions put in place and that nobody was getting in or out of the care home. But that's what I believed at least, but it's only later on I've realised that wasn't necessarily the case. And at the time, I was they wouldn't give me any information. I remember asking, has my mum had, had been exposed? Is it a member of staff? Is it a resident? Because there was four different units in the care home, two upstairs and two downstairs. So I didn't know any information. I didn't know if it was in my mum's unit or if it was in another unit. And it was just waiting, really, each day waiting to hear, because obviously you knew she was going to be getting tested. And talk me through what happened. I mean, this series of the podcast focused on the fact that many COVID bereaved have a sense of surrealness or unrealness mm-hmm. about the loss of the loved one and that's down to the fact that so many of normal death rituals that happen were denied so you know having a goodbye with your loved one dressing their body before burial a funeral a memorial all of these things just did not happen and so 
that sort of complicated the grief and people have been unable to close the circle of grief as it were i know that you've you had a tremendously hard time and you feel to this day tortured by uh the things that happened if you're able mm-hmm. to to share with us what what happened to you yeah mother. i do i i have to say it's i feel i'm traumatized by the circumstances and the circumstances make it so much worse because the way things were handled have left family just no way of fixing it actually tortured because I didn't know obviously with my mum she was actually showing signs of illness in October that I only found out through my my mum's medical notes but she wasn't tested after her initial she wasn't tested again in October and it was only in November that I realised there was just something definitely, it was such a sudden deterioration. I was aware that my mum wasn't eating. And that week, starting the 9th of November, her appearance, and she actually said to me, I'm not feeling well. And she got quite distressed and she would never have, she would have protected me all costs from worry and I remember the nurse saying to me, well let's have a laugh because she was trying to cheer the situation up but our parents online was dreadful she wasn't well she kept dripping if she fell asleep shortly into the call she had- and that's when I first raised the alarm because I knew my mum something wrong with my mum going to dog. it sounds like she had fatigue that she was extremely tired very she was Really drowsy, or grey pallor. I found out it was her medication. It was all running down her chin. I was on a Skype call and I said, what's wrong with my mum? And they said, oh, she can't swallow. We've taken 20 minutes today to try and get her to swallow her medication, which was unusual because they used to leave her to take her own medication. And again, as I said, she hadn't been eating for like the week prior. And they were saying that we think she's not eating because she's in pain. She's, she was complaining of pain as well. So it was actually myself that phoned the doctor and when I've re-listened to my call in a bit of a, a state because I'm saying I think my mum's dying but the share, care home didn't share the same concerns about my mum they, um, they said it's nothing acute and they said that they didn't think that because I'd shared end of life it, was, it wasn't going to be they didn't think it was anything that was going to happen I can't even remember the wordings but they definitely because it's written on the, my mum's medical notes nothing that they didn't think my mum was going to be dying so that was difficult because I feel things were just horrendous at that point and I just knew I felt my mum's dying and I think that was in the the Wednesday I think it was a Friday the doctor did go out there's initially there was a nurse sent out and it was only later on I realized I get told the nurse get turned out the nurse didn't get access to my mum. I don't know why. She never got access in to see my mum. I've not got to the bottom of it. But the doctor went out and the doctor spoke to me on the Friday saying everything was fine. And she had picked up a wee bit on the Friday, but still extremely drowsy, still dripping. So I think it was just that I couldn't be there. And I think I was a wee bit in shock about seeing my mum the way she was. But the doctor reassured me on the Friday and said just 
basically that she had no concerns. The relief was, I remember going to swing park with my son and the relief I felt, um, but that only lasted for 48 hours because my mum was dead on the Sunday. The only routine tests were carried out in my mum's unit and I think five residents were positive. And this doctor mother in person? Yes, she attended because the nurse had not got in. She attended in person, yes. So you were sort of lulled into a false sense of security then? Really? I felt my mum was okay and she had been a wee bit more chatty but when I think about it now the things she was saying were a bit strange but I had just thought she was talking a wee bit more because the two days prior she was just tripping couldn't speak wasn't speaking but on Friday she spoke a wee bit and I thought oh whatever it is she's getting over it last conversation with her on the day she died but it wasn't a conversation so the conference, last conversation was on the Friday um, the 13th very short one because our Zoom call got cut off that day so you're in the swing park with your son are you feeling relieved that's been told she's fine and she seemed a little bit better then what and um, then on the saturday morning i got a call from the care home saying no in fact that saturday i didn't hear anything and i didn't get a zoom call and i received word on a saturday that my mum's test was positive for covid i was distraught because as i said the care home hadn't said there was any they'd only told me in the 11th after Jade concerned that a staff member said a staff member tested positive but the residents were all just tested routinely as a precaution so I was traumatised and to this day um, I never followed up my Zoom call that day because I felt I couldn't speak to my mum because I felt so upset and I thought I'm going to fall apart so I didn't cheat it up and I just kept phoning that day to try and find out how she was in the care home just told basically poor diet that's what I was told and then phoned at midnight poor diet but she's sleeping and then the Sunday morning I get told about low oxygen levels and what did I want to do I just remember thinking what can I I don't know what to what I wanted to do I just obviously wanted the best care for my mum they were given as reassurance throughout that day saying our oxygen levels would return to 95 she's not distressed she's not uncomfortable so I got a call invite me for a visit and obviously I ran ran to the care home I don't know what I was expecting but when I got there my mum was just was horrendous the immediate feeling I had was she's dying and they said to me you can only stay for 10 minutes and I think my mum wasn't able to move or speak to me she was breathing loudly short loud gasps through her her mouth and just actually thinking now when I look back she was trying to reach out to me with her hand she had a movement with her hand a couple of times she was she tried to kind of grunt as if she was trying to speak to me but I think I just I don't know if I was in shock but I was trying to reassure her but I wasn't allowed to approach her and when it was time to leave I remember the girl saying to mum it's time to say goodbye to Ruth and I said it's not goodbye and my mum managed to say no which must have taken their effort real effort so the fact that I left because they said to me I I remember leaving saying I'll promise I'll be back because I'd spoken to the manager and I said does my mum going we're not there yet they were really giving me hope that everything was going to be okay they said if she brightens up we'll do a Skype call that's the words they said to me this is all part of Covid it's all part and parcel of it so I went home and to this day that's my one big regret I don't know if I'd have been able to stay or dug my heels in, but I feel I didn't fight. That's a degree. It's hard to forgive myself.
confident. And there was somebody in the room with you the whole time for those 10 minutes? Yes. The carer was there standing with me. And I remember asking them, can I touch my mum's hand? And now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm thinking, why did I let them dictate? I just basically followed what they said. Didn't question it at all. I keep thinking back, why? So that's hard. And it's only hours later that I got the call. But actually, we got a call to say, can you quickly come to the care home? The same day? Um, hours later. Uh-huh. And so I had to arrange care for my son, but we got there really quite quickly. We got the call at quarter to eight, and when we arrived, they said your mum's died. So we thought we were going to be with her, to support her. So that was taken away from us. And I think I on it now and actually I found out later on that she died at six o'clock so they didn't it was like almost two hours before we were contacted and it was hard getting in to see your mum the way she was because I think like rigor mortis had set in her mouth was wide open and she didn't look at peace so that's been hard and obviously after that I went home to my house my friend looked after my son that night, so I was in my house on my own. I spoke to my sister on the phone, but because of the rules of COVID, you were on, I was on my own here. Really hard as well, because you didn't have support. So when they found you the second time, you thought you were going in to see her? Yes, they said, if, if you've got to be here, get here as quickly as possible. She had already passed? Because uh, my sister's husband um, is a shielding, so she was concerned about her husband so she actually went away to stay with his sister because my, my sister knew she was coming into a room exposed to COVID but really when she looks back on it now all that was unnecessary because my mum had died. It was past the time that we could have been of any use to her or any support to her. We went there thinking we were going to be with my mum and support her and help her. Emotional support to have that taken away and for me to have just left a matter of hours earlier that's something I have to try and live with I can't get over the fact that in the second call they didn't let on that your mum had passed but what they said was it's too dangerous to tell you that somebody's died in case you crash your car. I think it's more dangerous to have us rushing down immediately somewhere. That's very peculiar. So that was the reason they gave for not telling, not indicating at the time. And what's your feeling about that, really? My feelings with the home now are... Obviously, I've found out a lot of things since then, and I'm distraught by the information I've learned, the things I've learned. No, no transparency, no answers from the care home. Everything's data protection. I've had to go through freedom of information requests to get little bits of information, but I've managed to paint a pretty good picture of what's occurred. But again, that's been another part of the trauma going through the complaints procedures. What did you get through Freedom of Information? What was the most... I got Freedom of Information at Information Centre, just doing various requests, contacting different agencies to try and find out what happened. Because obviously my mum, they've written in her death certificate that she had two days illness, which I disagree with, because I could see my mum was ill before that. I I feel it's pretty well documented, but Again, it's like a difficult fight through the organisations that are involved with the care sector. It's extreme, that's been extremely difficult. So going through that, I'm still dealing with two years down the line. So I don't feel I've had a chance to, apart from the circumstances, you don't have a chance to grieve. None of it's normal information that for some 
part of closure is denied you so you're not able to get any closure I've obviously been dealing with trying to get answers I've had to listen to the emergency calls so that in itself has been extremely difficult but I feel it's the only thing I can do for my mum now but that's been difficult it's been an ongoing thing for like two years now we've been given different times when my mum's death was certified by the nurse and it just when you wonder about the protocols that have been carried out at that time if they've been carried out correctly in March 2020 just when all this was starting we received a call from my mum's surgery um, and the nurse we thought she was talking about the DNR resuscitation orders um, and at the time they'd said about trying to avoid hospital admission anybody over 80 they were trying to avoid that because of the risks of contracting COVID um, and at the time, my, my response, and I've got the recording of the calls, I said, if my mum needs hospital, she needs hospital, um, irrespective of COVID. Um, and it was only late, later on when I received my mum's medical notes and I was inquiring into things that there was a key information summary saying um, not for admission, preferred place of death, care home, preferred place of care, care home. Um, and we thought we didn't agree to that. And again, that's one of the issues that have never been addressed. Um, and actually, I've got a paramed. There's no, my mum wasn't, she was in breathing difficulties and low oxygen levels and she wasn't um, categorised as a high risk um, call. It was a low-level call, um, and even that they didn't on that day they didn't attend within before my mum died. But even they didn't attend within the average waiting times for that day. It was like over three hours, and my mum had died by then. I um, mean, and the ambulance paramedic notes have set mentions family not wanting their mum admitted to hospital. Um, but you and didn't... when I had an interview with the ambulance services, they said that that would have impacted that key information. Somebody would have impacted on whether my mum was categorised as a, a high like a priority call or a low level call, and that's not something that we agreed ever. Um, but when we've tried to take it up with the GP services, saying it was entirely appropriate for them to to raise hospital admission given the risk of COVID infections and things like that and my mum had COVID so there was no risk to her getting COVID again at the hospital but that's just it's just all kind of brushed away like that it's never really been addressed. But you said your mum didn't receive palliative care in any She didn't receive any care any palliative care or medication or oxygen and just for her to be left in her room and just sitting, because when I got there, she had like, bare feet, sitting in a chair, not even in her bed. I, I don't want it to be, but it's my lasting vision. Of, it's like an intrusive thought, so you can't avoid them entering your mind. It pops up when you're thinking of your mum. That's the one that's popping up. And I wouldn't like, she wouldn't like to think that. Do you think they took that approach because of her age? I think... Um, 
obviously she was 94, so someone with 94, but I just can't understand how basic human, like, to leave somebody with nothing to die on their own. I don't think how that can be classed as any, not even with any. If my mum had received even palliative care, I think that would have made me feel better because you don't want to think your mum's struggling with it to, to breathe on her own um, with no one there to hold her hand. What happened to her? You wouldn't treat anybody or any living animal or person like that. You just wouldn't. So I think the fact that they phoned us up in March, I didn't know the, the result of that call. Had I known when I was speaking to the nurse at that point, but certainly family would never would never agree that my mum wouldn't be admitted to hospital. Um, and the, again, the, the reason they gave was if there was any need for hospital admission, the surgery would always contact family anyway. Um, but obviously this happened over a weekend when the surgery's closed. The doctor last saw my mum on the Friday evening. And obviously they would know this key information summary is available to other health services to look at if they need arises to ascertain any plan that's been put in place. So they must have known that they would refer to, um, which you're, you're arguing with a, a brick wall really to try and get them to see your point I think it's purposefully swept under the carpet so that's something else that we've never got to the bottom of by having all the paperwork for it not something that they're actually taking on board or even investigating so it's that lack of acknowledgement I keep going back to that but why they would have a contact family because I remember thinking at the time that's quite insensitive to phone us about resuscitation I thought it was about resuscitation Nicole it's obviously our words have been disregarded because it specifies things that are would never family have never agreed to or consented to it and that's what makes it difficult as well because it's as if they're putting the blame on you for saying you don't want your mum hospitalised. And there's a comment, actually, with Dr Nicole Tab saying family keep changing their mind and I didn't want, know what it referred to because I was speaking to her asking about hospital. So she must have read this key information summary. But she said um, my mum's condition didn't... Um, she wasn't... She was no worse from two days previous and her oxygen levels seemed fine. So the doctor was just to reattend on the Monday. And that all, all based on all the inaccurate information, the information that was shared with the doctor as well, all part of it. So it's extremely difficult reading all that and saying how was my mum not, not any worse from the Friday to the Sunday? Because I obviously spoke to her on the Friday and I seen her on the Sunday um, and she was worse. But it's just all why it would minimise, minimising things like, Actually, there's a, a comment in the, a report saying that my mum's breathing was normal at 6.30, but then they found her dead at 7. And I'm thinking that's because the emergency calls are before that. And actually, in the same emergency call, the same carer is inconsistent about my mum's breathing. She's saying that my mum's breathing's normal. And then she's asked the question again and she said, She's just making blown noises, but originally, like two minutes before that, she'd said that my mum's breathing was normal. So it's like all these things, factors that you're thinking, 
how can the same carer say my mum's breathing is normal when she's making blowing noises? That's all part. That's part of it as well. I think that helps paint a picture of how, what your mum was going through, and you weren't there for her. And I think the care home were out their depth, and even the phone calls to the old emergency service, none of them were made in our presence. So mum never even had an opportunity to let them hear her. So even they're phoning and answering questions, but my mum's there in an office and my mum's in a room on her own. I just find it difficult to say why can they not phone me there with my mum and let the doctor hear my mum, either if she wasn't able to speak, listen to her breathing, but that was even taken away from her. So it's just treated the way she was treated, like not part of a, a she was a human being, she was loved, she was treasured by us and all this was going on really and we were unaware. So that's just all part and parcel of the haunted thoughts that you have about your mum, my mum. Yes. How are you managing to cope? Is there anything that helps with those really strong feelings? Is there anything that you turn to to feel just a little bit better than you do? Is there anything that's I think um, I'm not even ready to face a lot of them. They do come to the surface every now and again and things do trigger them. It could be a passing comment, could be something on television, it could just be a thought that returns to your head. They're always it's always there, really. Just sometimes it comes out to the surface more than others. I don't think my, I'm ready to face it yet because I'll avoid a lot of feelings. And to this day I'll take my iPad to bed with me as because if I wake up during the night to stop myself thinking, I'll just watch something in the iPad and that's avoiding. So I don't feel I'm even ready to, sometimes you'll, you can't avoid it and those are bad days, but other days you're just, just like trying to get by each day at a time. And obviously I have to be there for my son, so I just can't believe what's happened. It's fine, it's difficult to process and everything's, I know COVID was extremely difficult time for everybody. I know the care sector struggled, but it's just not having been denied information about your mum's day because I wasn't the I couldn't be with her and just not being able to have that closure and just the information you're given doesn't even it's a lot of discrepancies and errors. In my mum's case was a lot of wrong information was passed to the the health services but just the thoughts of your mum struggling with her last breaths and you're not there I'd actually sent an email to the home on the the Saturday night saying Annie please if there's because it was difficult to access and contact somebody in the home obviously they're they're busy I thought I'll put it right and somebody will read it and I asked please can you contact me I need to be there for my mum I couldn't bear it if something happened to her and I wasn't there. And that was an email I wrote on a Saturday night. And it's just your worst fears. Your worst, the worst things have happened and you can't change it. And I feel almost as if it's broken the bond with me and my mum. My words, that's strong. Have you tried counselling or spoken to any bereavement services? Or Yes, I have. And it's, it's been helpful to discuss, obviously. Talking will maybe help offload it for a wee while, but it's not something that resolves or takes away. And I think over time, maybe there is a slight movement in the feelings, the strength of them when they hit you. 
but not a great deal. It's something that I know is going to my life now. Just the regrets and the guilt as well. And I just feel I should have listened to myself and not listened to the care home, listening to them and let my mum down. So it's so hard to try and accept those things going going ahead. It's really painful, unbearably painful. So it's something that's going to be part of me now. The home, it sounds like they have a lot to answer for, really. Do you plan to take any action about that? or I've been trying, obviously, to contact to the, the care home as a local authority, and I've went through the care inspectorate and the ombudsman as well, with no real success. It's been quite shocking, the responses that I've been receiving back. There's a lot of unanswered questions. I keep Thinking back to when my mum was displaying illness in October, why she wasn't tested then. That was during the COVID outbreak and she was displaying signs of illness on the 16th of October. I don't understand why she wasn't tested then. I was also told by public health, for instance, that mum, that the last staff member to test positive was 28th of October. But obviously that's inconsistent with what the care home is telling me and they said that a staff member had only been told by Locate Chase that they were a contact of a COVID positive case on the 11th but the care home told me that that person had tested positive so it's all these things as well that you become upset almost obsessed with trying to get answers so that you can understand because it's difficult to just move away and move on and disregard all these things but really it's hard it's very difficult for you to get to the truth yes you know all of these layers of bureaucracy the different stories are exacerbating that quest important quest that you need and obviously preventing you from trying to come to terms with what's happened very very difficult yes we're denied even that which has made which has resulted in me having to listen to emergency calls, 999 calls about my mum. And it's just like the way things were done. And then I can see that there was no the care home where it kind of out with or what they were able to deal with. I can clearly see that, but that doesn't take away basic care, human, basic human needs to, because to, my mum wasn't, unfortunately she didn't, access any medical care or palliative care before her death and she was alone so these things are just unbearable and that's the images when I think of my mum that come into my head rather than the person she was and what she meant who she was just it's just her death and obviously she's more very more than what her death was but that's the only things that are you've not been able to celebrate your mum in any way or able to do any of that no and, and at the funeral obviously it was only 10 people who were allowed to go there so I don't even feel, and when you went to funeral parlour, it was a closed coffin. And it's just because that was my mum. And it's just if you feel as if you're involved in what's happened to her, as if you're part of it. And it was the last thing you would ever consider, not being there for your mum when she needs you. And that's that in itself is just haunting, really.
it's haunting. Is there anything that you're grateful for? I'm grateful for my mum, grateful for the time I had with her. Had a long life. She had a long life, yes, she did. But just the ending seems to have just taken over all the aspects of her life. At the moment, anyway, I'm hoping that as time goes on, might help, might be less all about her death. But obviously the process I'm going through just now, it's very much at my forefront, my head, and maybe once that's dealt with, because I feel I have to go through that process as well. So it's something else I feel I have to do. That's understandable. Well, hopefully, you know, you will be able to get to the truth and then that might enable you to, I'm not going to say close the circle of grief, but at least to try and come to terms with, with what's gone on. That would enable yeah. you to, to heal a little mm -hmm. is it just the truth that you want or do you want to you know take an action against the care home for i think it's what i need to hear is i'm sorry or we didn't always get things right an acknowledgement of what's happened our feelings how we're left what we're left with is horrendous but there's never been any of that. I mean, I know that they did uphold some care aspects, but there's never been any acknowledgement or apology to the failings, to any of the failings that, that are crucial with my mum's care from her illness, from COVID. In fact, it's like the opposite is true, has been true, and not acknowledging that my mum was ill or not noticing that she was ill, and which I find extremely difficult to understand. So it's just those things you would like have acknowledgement of, um, and that's not happened. I think your mum would be pleased you're fighting this corner. Oh, very much so. I don't know where I found the strength, to be honest, because I'm almost at a point now where it's difficult. It's very difficult reading when you receive the reports back, and you really have to brace yourself now to receive them. And any time I receive a response, I it takes me days to actually read it before I can prepare myself for it because I know it's going to be hurtful, the content now. Whereas I started this process thinking I'll get answers and now I've realised, no, it's that's probably not going to happen. So it's that, like you've got no redress, but I still feel strongly about following through the process to the end. Nevertheless, even though it's causing added pain. If you're able to sum up your mum's legacy just a, a wonderful person mother family person always there for her family always tried her best just kind thoughtful considerate I've mentioned that she would never I feel it's a negative now but she never used to share problems she protected her family from problems so I remember once she fell down the stairs and, and it was an artery had broke burst in her leg and she was bleeding heavily and the ambulance said well, who will we contact and she said I'm not waking up my daughters in the middle of the night and that was very much how she she was for you yeah oh she sounds wonderful you know you're a credit to her and the fight that you're putting up just to to get to the truth i'm sure she'd behind you in that but also thank you as she would hope that you know and the time will come that you'll as hard as it is be accepting of what's what's happened be able to celebrate her because she sounds absolutely gorgeous she was and i'm lucky to have had such a, a supportive mother that's what makes it hard because you feel you've not done although i tried throughout my life to be there for her in a sense, it feels like it's all been eroded away because 
the last few days of her life not being there. You were a great companion to her. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. You know, it's such a lovely, close relationship you had. Yes. And I'm sorry for getting upset whilst I was speaking to you. I thought I would be able to keep it together. So, so, so so hard. It's such a, a complicated, traumatic grief. The great thing about this interview and others like it is that, you know, it's helping. It's helping you, but it will help other people who'll listen and are in a similar position because it's a shared grief very unique type of grief unfortunately and you know thank goodness that that you are speaking out and that others are doing something similar because it can only help yes i'm a great believer in talking and discussing things and having things out in the open and sharing because it helps other people suffering similar grief thank you ruth thank you that wasn't easy thanks so much thanks so much for listening please do subscribe and review the podcast if you get a minute and if you'd like to make a donation you can do so via the show notes the price of a coffee would be fantastic and also please do follow stolen goodbyes on twitter at rise kmc and under stolen goodbyes or facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to participate, you can email at stolengoodbyes at gmail.com or visit my website www.karen-rice.com. Good luck. Mm-hmm.